With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Can he do what Max Gorn does, who just sits by on the ball at certain stages? If Jackson was dominating when he went into the rough, well, then you'd say, okay, he's going to be the long-term number one. And you look at Sean Darcy and you do weigh up whether it's a good thing for him to spend more time on the forward line, work on his craft. And even Kane Corns the other day spoke about maybe Sean Darcy would want to look elsewhere. Now, that's a bit premature, and we're only two games in. But he has been the number one. How would he be feeling at the moment? Paul Hayes will be with his thoughts on Fremantle's Ruckman. Of course, Hayes is a Fremantle Dockers legend, and he is one half of the run home with Hayes and Mardo from 3 p.m. on weekdays on SEN. And he's also the second great East Fremantle midfielder we've had on the show so far today, coming in <laughs> after Ray Sorrell. Hayes, welcome. Hey, great to be here in Derby Week. Absolutely love the Derbies and can't wait for this one. Uh, I heard your build-up towards it and going through history. This one could be very special. So I'm, I'm, there's no prizes for guessing what your favourite derby is, is there? No, pretty simple. Demolition Derby, first year. But just the way we bounce back, because we got flogged in the first game by 117 points, I think the margin was, and then uh, came back from 35 points down, one by a point, and boy, did we celebrate. Yeah, I'll bet you did. Did you, did you bother turning up the next one? <laughs> no, Actually, you didn't. You went off for surgery, didn't you? I did didn't you? turn up for another 12 months after that. I had a second year blues. <laughs> yeah, you, I think you had a back problem. I did. You? Hurt my back in that game, so I missed the next week and then missed the pre-season of the next season and had a disastrous year. I, I, um, I, I'm surprised, even though I know the Demolition Derby was a remarkable game and a momentous game, I'm surprised you picked that one over the 06 game when you kicked the winner. Yeah, we play that often on our show, that one. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that was a very good game, very close. Peter Bell. I think that's the best derby to, of all yeah, time. Yeah, it was. And that's yeah. the commentary uh, late in the game and had a shot to win it with uh, less than a minute to go and was able to finish off. I think our mate Tim Gossage was making the call too, I reckon. Mm. He, was, he was doing the call. Called it the greatest derby ever. They decided with Rory in the end that while he looked like a ruckman, he wasn't. Mm. And they wanted the backup ruckman who could go forward. And they've got a bloke who can be the backup ruckman and do it very well. But forward line, no impact at all. So, Luke Jackson, let's let's address this. Big story on the back page of, of the West Australian. What would you do with Luke Jackson if you were Freya? It was a cheap shot, wasn't it, the article today? You look at uh, putting the financials in there, and we know the contract's big, and with that comes a fair bit of scrutiny as well. But you could go through a number of players in the AFL. You could look at Nathan Fife and compare his season so far and what he's earning uh, in the AFL competition at the moment. But... I think now they just need to settle down on clearance. How do we get our clearance better? And they would have better data than we do on what their clearance numbers are with Darcy in the ruck, but also with Luke Jackson. So if it is with Darcy, we know last year it was built on the back of Sean Darcy. So I reckon as a coach, you go back to what you know and what has worked for you in the past. So I'd be going back to him and saying 70% goes to Darcy, 30% to Jackson, and really giving it up, Jackson. Like, he's had a good run. He's been in a good team. He's been spoken about with a... You know, really good nature for a couple of years now, but football's not all roses. You've got to stand up at some point and look at yourself and go, well, hang on, have I not done everything right throughout the preseason? Can I do more? 
I'd be looking at at training sessions all the time. Instead of goal kicking, instead of going into the ruck, have 30 or 40 balls, long balls coming in and getting his timing right with his jump because you can see he's not getting separation on his opponent. And marking is about reading the ball, knowing where that ball's going to drop, trying to pick that up earlier than your opponent, then using your body to try and shield that area where you're going to mark it and then timing it with either you know, a little shuffle or a jump at the ball. His timing's right out at the moment, so he needs to improve it. I spoke about Matthew Pavage last week that he should get down there and spend some time with somebody like a Luke Jackson because it's a big investment, and if they just say, no, you're going to be a 50-50 ruck, I don't feel that's going to help the Fremantle Dockers, and it's not going to help Sean Darcy um, in the short term. Needs to grow into a 20-goal-a-year player, doesn't And that's it. And I think because we don't have other forwards, it does get magnified, doesn't it? Because you don't have Tabernard kicking too. You don't have Trace. You don't have Amos getting on the scoreboard, Nathan Fife as well. We then zero in on Luke Jackson. He can improve. All he has to do is take those marks. He's getting hands two marks, take three or four more in a game, couple shots a game. You're a little bit happier with where he's at. And he's still young and he's still got time. But people have said to me and criticised me on social media, it's only two games. Well, for me, it's not two games. It's 24 games. Hmm. Maybe more, because I watched a lot of Melbourne's games last year, and I'm still yet to see that real, true forward craft come through from Luke Jackson. That's going to be a challenge for him, and it's going to be a challenge for the Fremantle Dockers. Matt Tabin is another one. What do you do with him? He's he's 30 years old now. He's He's been a very good mm. player. Like I, I've got a lot of admiration for Matt Tabin, because if getting the most out of yourself is the aim as a player, I think Matt Tabin has come yep. pretty close to Rookie getting the most pick. out of himself. Yeah. Do you know he wasn't even initially in I think he came from Mildura up that up that way. He wasn't initially even in the talent development pathway and, and got siphoned in late mm. because they saw this big kid who had a great tank and they thought he's worth a shot. So he's kicked and bitten and scratched every bit of the way for his hundred odd games and at one point in twenty twenty was one of the better tall forwards in the comp. But do if you're Fremantle, do you back him to return to form, or do you say, let's take a longer-term approach with Tracy and Amos? I think you back him in in the short term, and uh, I'm reticent to rule out some of these key forwards until I see them improve other parts of their game. Because I go through, you know, you look at Essendon's forward line on the weekend, and Duff, you may not even know all of these players, but Jones and Menzi and Langford and Perkins, D'Ambrosio, Durham and Guelphie. Like, there's no big names in there, is there? Mm. Like, Jones is going to be a good player, I think, in the future. St. Kilda got Owens, Filippo, Caminiti, Cordy, Gresham, Higgins and Wood. So it shows me if you get parts of your game right, if you win the clearance battle and you get ball movement going in to give them a chance, like Jake Waterman looked like Peter Sumich on the weekend. Mm. There was a number of times where I thought, hang on, this is old school footy. This is a guy leading out a full forward and actually taking chess marks because he's got separation on his opponent. You don't see that very often, but it is on the back of catching the opposition out with their ball movement. I think they were surprised. GWS had no answer to it, particularly in that second quarter. The Dockers need to do that, and then we can start making some big calls on some of these key forwards of whether they're worth persisting with or do you start going with some of the youth. I think Longmuir has to speak not just words this week, but through action with what he does with a bit of selection, but also maybe changing a few players around the ground. Would you change the manpower in attack? Young forwards, Tracy, uh, Amos, Sturt, do they get a run or do you uh, do you go with older, harder bodies? I'm strong. I'm, I'm really strong and I've been saying it for a long time. Brennan Cox is the answer in attack for yep. the Fremantle Dockers. 
Oh, there's, he's got the defensive capability that being in the forward line, it's about not being outmarked more than anything in this day and age. And because of what he does in the back half, he finds a way to get to the ball either by marking it or by kicking goal. Sorry, by bringing the ball to ground. Mm-hmm. You look at Tabernar, Tracy, Jackson, Amos, and how many forward minutes they've spent in the forward line so far this year and, and the return. And then you had Brennan Cox go down there for one play. And kicked a goal. And kicked a goal. He found a way to kick a goal, and that was without getting really good service. Sometimes you've got to give something to get something, and attack should be what Longmuir is trying to preach this week to the Dockers, and nothing more than a big statement like that would signal to the team, boys, we're on the attack. So if that's the case, if Cox goes forward, what about um, Jackson back with the ball in front of him. I know it's very hard to do this these days because mm. they play systems, isn't it? And you've got to know the system as well as just your own role. But is that an option for them? Play him behind the ball, get some confidence, take take some marks behind the ball? Not at this stage. I think they need to settle down on him in that front half and just work around some other aspects of their game to improve that. Well, I think they've got enough coverage down back. Like, their defenders aren't small. You've got Alex Pierce that can play this week on... Oscar Allen, Jack Darling could be manned up by Luke Ryan, Luke Ryan yeah. and Jake Waterman could be taken by Chapman or Young. Take your pick. And then you bring Brandon Walker into the mix. You've got a bit of speed now back in the back half, which is going to trigger things going inside your forward half. That's the way I would go. And you always go back to 2015 West Coast, where all their key defenders broke down and mm. they went smaller. And it worked for them because of the extra speed they had at ground level. And I think Fremantle could could risk that for the next three or four weeks to have a look at Brennan Cox. Do they win the derby? Oh, on form, you can't pick them. You're only picking on what you know and saw last year. Mm. And that's the hard part about it. So which way would you be picking? I'll go Fremantle because if they lose, it's all over. There's no finals footy if they lose and go 0-3, losing games to West Coast, St Kilda and North Melbourne. Everything has to be on the line. All right, Paul Hazelby, of course, Fremantle champion. He's one half of the run home with Hayes and Mardo. It's on SEN on 3 p.m. on weekdays.